Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. We welcome you to another golf show on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader, WSBTradio.com and the WSBT radio app. We are brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Stay in, stay active, enjoy, proudly distributed locally by United Beverage of South Bend. My name is Darren Pritchett. Welcome to the program. I am joined by the stars of the show, my co-host, we have John Foster, the general manager of Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame, and Tim Firestone, the owner at Blackthorn Golf Club. Gentlemen, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, Darren. Doing good. Good morning, Darren. Good to talk to you guys, as always, as we talk about the game of golf. And it's interesting, as you turn on the news, more and more states are opening up, and we see more and more people celebrating on social media that their states are now opening up golf courses. I know Massachusetts is, is coming on board, and everything's still a bit of a grind in the state of Illinois. But elsewhere across the Midwest, guys, we're seeing golf courses opening up. So I'm not sure we're ever going to get back to a, a normal, normal anytime soon. But it's good to see people are excited about getting on the golf course right now. Yeah, I think um, um, people have a itch. I think the thing we've talked about in the past couple of weeks, though, is just darn weather's not cooperating so uh we can't quite get that good spring stretch here of, of decent weather looks like it might come next week but um you know illinois still only allowing twosomes out no carts and then no carts in michigan so um you know still got a little ways to go before they're completely open and generating real revenue for the golf courses it's got to be just killing these guys it's, it's tough well, maybe we just need more people like the Bishop and Caddyshack who played through that awful rainstorm and almost set the course record. We need more tough people like that to get out and play golf right now. What do you think? <laughs> you don't have to answer that. I'm just joking. Well, let me start with you, John. I'm sure it's still status quo at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. You have not opened this spring, so can you add anything to the conversation from what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks? Not really, uh, Darren. I mean, the, obviously the decisions that are going to be made at a much higher level than me. I've done what I can as far as lobbying goes. And um, I, I think the university is um, generally uh, disposed to doing this. Um, it, it, I mean, we put some safety procedures in, in place. I think they're comfortable with that. I just think we're, you know, a small part of the big big picture here. Probably not front burner necessarily, um, but the, there have been some really positive signs this week coming out from uh, Father Jenkins and Shannon Conan, our EVP, uh, regarding they moved up the date that the students can come and move out. You know, they didn't get a chance to uh, by about three to four weeks. So that has to do with, you know, obviously they feel more comfortable with some of the safety procedures they put into place for that. Um, I mean, it's just really hard, I, I know, for a lot of our players who've been calling to accept the fact that, you know, you got a 200-acre venue and a maximum of probably 80 people uh, a day were proposing come through here that there would be any danger. But 
Um, as I said, that that's going to be a decision higher than me. I, I'm hoping that you know before the end of the, the month we'll get open, but I have no uh, nothing to hang my hat on as far as facts go. Well, the good news is you're prepared. You've got plans in place that you've at least proposed that when you get the green light, you've planned ahead and you could probably open up rather quickly. Yeah, I, I, the, the people that are most anxious to get open are my uh, pros who are working on the maintenance crew right now, <laughs> and they can't they can't wait to get back to their uh, their regular jobs. So uh, Matt's working them pretty hard. Absolutely, I, I get a uh, a flyer because of my age, or I get a waiver because of my age. So. <laughs> I pick up sticks basically. That's my uh, that's my job. Well, you're doing a lot of walking now, so yeah, that's, that's right. a big part of your day. So you can walk exactly around and get sticks. Right. There you go. <laughs> Terrific plan. All right, Tim, let's move along to you. As you said, the weather just has not been a very good friend to golf course owners right now because there are a significant amount of people that are wanting to play golf right now. And, and I think you can tell our listeners, Tim, who have not been joining us the last couple of weeks, that when the weather is good, your tee sheets are pretty filled up. Yeah, I mean, it's been a record spring for us revenue wise and that's with really not very good weather at all so um unfortunately the weather hasn't cooperated fortunately when it is nice we're full and um encourage everybody uh book online ahead of time and they can pay ahead on time and we're still um practicing all the safe uh, precautions uh clubhouse is still closed we still have the cups raised bleaching down the carts um, and again, like I've said on the show, I, th- I would think that that will stay in place here for at least another month, if not longer. Did you say, Tim, you've had record revenue? Oh, yeah. I mean, wow. Uh, my kids can finally have milk on their cereal instead of water. I mean, it's been unbelievable uh, what we've been able to accomplish this spring. No kidding. Well, I wouldn't have guessed that. I guess just with the number of cold days that we've had, I wouldn't expect that type of number, but... That's very promising. Yeah, I mean, we had a lot of -of out-of-town players who pay, you know, a a higher rate. Um, So it's, it's, you know, we went to our uh, summer rates on April 12th this year. Um, And we've, uh, you know, at $75 a pop on the weekend, 65 during the week, when we're normally, you know, at 30 or 35, um, that's kind of been the difference. So. We've been uh, very fortunate to be open and, and to get a lot of golfers through. I don't mean for you you guys to give out specific numbers. I'm not trying to dig out information, but I'm just wondering, with clubhouses closed, is inventory, clubs, shoes, clothes, that type of thing, a big part of your revenue budget? Is that something that is hard to make up for, considering, like in your case, Tim, the clubhouse is pretty much closed other than people two at a time can go in and get a hot dog or a beverage. Yeah, I mean, obviously John's a much different situation on the retail side than we are. You know, we we don't um, um, make a ton of profit um, on the golf shop. As you probably can imagine, you know, we make no money on golf clubs um, at all. Um and, you know, after being around for 25 years, people aren't as, um, uh, you know, willing and, and to, to pay the price for the logo. Um, so, 
you know, the, our shop sales really, Darren, are driven by events when we do outings. Um, you know, the Coaches versus Cancer event and the LPJ event and some of those events really drive our, our merchandise sales. So it's not been um, a killer for us uh, at all to not have the golf shop open. I guess, John, the good news for you, had this been the U.S. Senior Open year, that uh-huh. something would have affected you guys with all the merchandise that you had. Uh, it would have affected a lot more than merchandise. Well, that too, yes. Yeah, that, that would actually have, have been pretty tragic. I mean, now, you know, bear in mind, too, that the amount of merchandise that we sell is uh, pretty substantial, and we place orders for that in fall. So we've got a golf shop full of boxes full of clothes um, that we're not able to even process. Um, our guys aren't allowed to come in and do that. Uh, our online store, which has become – somewhat substantial as far as sales go the last few years we're not allowed to uh, have that open as well so it's um yeah it's it's not being good at all from a revenue standpoint whether you look at golf carts range green fees and in our case merchandise makes up a pretty substantial amount of our annual sales so um you know we and I don't know when we're going to be able to open the shop uh, once, even when the golf course opens, because our initial plan here, at least, uh, you know, level one safety plan is to conduct all the business out of the starter cottage, which sits by the first tee. So nobody will really be uh, allowed to come into the clubhouse. So this, this moratorium on um, uh, retail sales may last a bit longer. With all the concerns over safety, and I know, Tim, you have documented over and over all the precautions you're taking on a hourly basis at Blackthorn to make sure everyone is safe, do you guys are thinking about policies in terms of, and I know this is a very small majority of people, but there are some people that come out and rent clubs. Maybe they're on vacation or they just don't have golf clubs. Mm-hmm. Is that something you're staying away from? Are you allowing people to rent clubs? How do you handle that particular situation? Well, well I don't think we've had anybody even request that yet this year. Really? So, okay. It uh, hasn't been an issue for us so far. Yeah, part of our plan is not to do rental clubs once we open. That makes sense. Yeah. I think the people that want to play golf, they have golf clubs. And yeah, it's a, you know, Darren, it's a pretty good uh, amount of our traffic, though, rent clubs. Um, really? Just because the nature, we're kind of a destination spot. They may be here at Notre Dame for other yeah. reasons, and they didn't come here specifically to play golf. So, um, I mean, it's not like it's going to be the most impactful thing by not doing it. But, um, you know, we've got over 20 sets of rental clubs, and there are days when, uh, in the fall especially, when we we don't quite run out, but it's close. So. Mm. Just wondering, and I'm sure probably most of this answer, you picked up on things earlier in the process, but have you guys either one saw another golf course or heard a golf course doing something that you have adapted or you're thinking about adapting because you're like, well, that's a pretty good idea, or have you guys kind of thought of everything at this point and nothing has surprised you? That's a good question. I, I mean, I'm sure when we first got into this, you know, 40 days ago or 45 days ago, I think there was a lot of articles that were written about, you know, different things that people were doing. I don't have a specific golf course that I can reference, but, you know, as far as cutting the cups, uh, you know, not all the way in, um, uh, I know that's one of them for sure we stole. I would that's never the best idea. That, but, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so definitely, I think um, I've seen people put the pool noodles now in the bottom of the cups. We've talked about doing that. Um, um, yeah, obviously, nobody's putting ball washers out. Nobody's putting water coolers out, you know, all the touch points. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I think everybody's getting creative as they possibly can to create the safest environment possible. Yeah, there, there's become, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the industry has adopted some best practices that are pretty common among any courses, regardless of which state they're in. Um, I know, like New Jersey, when they open, they have state mandates all the way down to specifics like, you know, no ball washers on the, on the course. It's not really optional in some of these states on what you adopt as best practices. It's just basically mandated by uh, either the local state munis- uh, or the municipalities or the state. I will say this, um, there's a community forum that I, I stay up on with the National Golf Course Owners Association, and Tim, I don't know if you're part of that open forum. Have you seen it? I have not. Well, it's it's interesting because um, it, Michigan, uh, you know, they open but under very strict guidelines. Uh, no food, and, you know, no alcohol sales, for instance, is one thing they put in mm. in that. No carts. But they left an exemption in there for handicap cards, and so there was a couple of golf courses. I mean, people were ratting other golf courses out on this. Uh, oh, um, they, they said they saw upwards of sixty carts on the golf course, all obviously disabled <laughs> oh, handicap carts and alcohol sales. I mean, these courses are violating. The, the mandates that are put down, and it's not so much there's going to be local enforcement or some kind of fine. They're afraid, you know, the way – Oh, you could ruin it for everyone. They, yeah, they're just going to shut the whole thing down. And as you recall, and I don't know if Mike David touched on it in the interview or not that you guys did with him, but early on in Indiana there were a few courses that were not playing nice and playing by the rules, and the Indiana Golf Association reached out to him and said, straighten it, straighten up wow. or we're going to, you know, do something about it. So. They could foul it for everybody, I guess is what I'm saying. So I think as a result, Darren, self-policing has been going on, and people know what's at stake. And I think by the most part, most people are playing with the rules. John Foster from Warren Golf Course, Tim Firestone from Blackthorne. I'm Darren Pritchett, the golf show on WSBT Radio. In our next segment, you'll hear from the executive director of the Symmetra Tour, Mike Nichols. Of course, the Symmetra Tour comes to Blackthorne each summer. That tournament's been pushed back. We'll tell you all about that in a moment on the Golf Show, presented by Michelob Ultra on 96.1 WSBT. Welcome back to the Golf Show, presented by Michelob Ultra. I'm Darren Pritchett. John Foster and Tim Firestone will join me in just a couple of moments. But right now, we're going to bring you a conversation I had recently with Mike Nichols, the executive director of the Symmetra Tour. Of course, the Symmetra Tour comes through Blackthorn each and every year, but that tournament has been pushed back. Mike will give you all the details on that in this conversation. Well, a staple in the sports scene in South Bend during the summertime, the Four Winds Invitational, the Symmetra Tour event. And unfortunately, due to the pandemic, it has been pushed back a few weeks. It was going to take place June 12th through the 14th at Blackthorn Golf Club in South Bend but it's been moved now to July 31st through August 2nd again at Blackthorn Golf Club in South Bend. Well, Mike Nichols joins us. He is the Chief Business Officer for the Symmetra Tour. Mike, it's a pleasure to talk to you. This is Darren. How are you this evening? Good. How are you doing, Darren? Very, very well. Thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. Mike, let me start with the decision 
to suspend the LPGA and Symmetra Tours season due to COVID-19. I know to protect the golfers, fans, volunteers, and others involved in pro golf, that's your number one priority. But what was it like to be involved in these discussions when they took place in the days following when you had to talk to different golf tournaments about what was going on? Yeah, I mean, the, uh, really the biggest challenge we have is how much uncertainty there is around everything that's going on. You know, I, I often say that if uh, if we all knew that, you know, July 1st was the day that we could all go back to business and start having golf tournaments, it would be very easy to plan. But uh, as everybody knows, at this point, it's so fluid and a lot of the sort of the deadlines and the stay-at-home orders are kind of uh, rolling. So uh, it's hard to do it, but, you know, the... Uh, the good thing is is that both on the LPGA and the Symmetra Tours, we've got uh, great partners like the folks at the Four Winds Casinos who, uh, you know, have worked with us and say, hey, we want to do what we can to host these events. And, uh, you know, obviously the further we push them back into the season, uh, the hope is that uh, we'll be sort of life will be back to normal by the end of July. Mike, for tournaments that could not be played, many of those events have found a spot later on in the Symmetra Tour calendar. Let's use our local tournament, the Foreign's Invitational, as an example of the process to make the move from sponsors to working with individuals like Tim Firestone, the owner at Blackthorn. How complicated is it to move a tournament? It, it is quite uh, it is quite complicated. I mean, the, it is like I mentioned. It's good to have sponsors who are willing to find a way to make it work because obviously, our players this is how they earn a living. So you have to have tournaments in order for them to uh, to play. So you obviously have to have a sponsor who's ready and willing to work with you. But um, you know, golf course is pretty much the hardest part about the the whole process because you know Tim over there at, at Blackthorn, he's got events throughout the summer calendar and you know when you're trying to host a professional golf tournament whether it's on lpj or symmetra tours you're needing a golf course exclusively for six and seven days at a time so it's um sometimes finding a week that works both for the tour in terms of the geographic flow of the the schedule as well as just the golf course having availability because i'm sure tim being one of the best golf courses in the area there you know he's got a bunch of charity outings and different events and that are going on throughout the throughout the summer season as you all know you kind of have that limited may to sure. may to labor day sort of window to schedule everything into so uh having the golf courses line up and then work within the schedule but everybody there has been so accommodating and uh we offered up a week to uh the four wins folks and it worked for uh tim and the golf course so uh we were fortunate that this one uh and it slotted in nicely between battle creek and milwaukee so it really uh was the perfect storm this one was one that was much easier than some of the others. Mike Nichols, the Chief Business Officer of the Symmetra Tour, joining us here on WSBT Radio. And, Mike, as I ask this question, I think we all know safety comes first, keeping everyone safe during this pandemic. But let me just ask this. Golf is one of the few sports where there's limited contact among the participants on a playing field, or in this case, a golf course. Do you think it's possible for golf to come back a little sooner than some of the other major sports? But at the same time, do you have to be careful of the look of events returning while we're stealing while we're still dealing with at that point the back end of a pandemic? 
Absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, if you think about uh, with a professional golf tournament, we're going to have 144 Symmetra Tour professionals there in the field, but they're going to be spread out over, you know, 200 acres or whatever it is there. So um, in terms of social distancing, there's plenty of room for social distancing, but obviously in terms of the coordination and having volunteers and the folks it takes to, uh, to host an event, um, you know, as, as you said, safety is always our first concern, and uh, we definitely won't come back before we're ready to, uh, you know, the, obviously we want to get our players playing, but the health and safety of our fans, yeah. sponsors, and players and volunteers is first and foremost. Mike, once scientists give everyone the okay to go ahead and return to some sort of normalcy, how much time do you think the golfers and the tournaments, et cetera, need to get the golf season restarted? You know, it's one of those where um, the the challenge, one of the challenges that we have, obviously, is uh, in some parts of the country, uh, golf courses are open and in others they're not. Mm -hmm. So we have players, obviously, both around the country and around the world with varying degrees of access to golf courses. So, um, you know, the the thing that we have going for us right now is we're currently scheduled on both the Symmetra Tour and LPGAs to, uh, on the LPGA Tour to start in mid-June as we sit right now. And so players are all aware of that being the starting point. So, you know, whatever they need to do to be ready, um, they've obviously had plenty of time off. And so uh, hopefully they'll be ready uh, when ultimately it rolls out. But the players uh, are definitely well aware of sort of how far ahead in advance we're, we're trying to roll out yeah. the schedule and, and keeping them apprised as we try to, you know, in some cases it's out of our control with the local municipalities will in some cases, you know, drive the decision of whether we can play a golf tournament, even if we think we're ready with all the various protocols in place. Mike, can you offer a little perspective, mainly to the non-golf fan that's listening to this program, that how much golf tournaments are a big part of communities in terms of charities that are truly benefited each and every week on the PGA, the LPGA, the Symmetra Tours, and unfortunately they're not getting maybe some of the help they normally would because of all these golf tournaments being suspended. Yes, uh, you know, charity is the backbone of, uh, you know, of really professional golf. A lot of people may not realize that, but uh, we've been fortunate there in South Bend to work uh, with uh, the Beacon Health System and the, the Children's Hospital there, right there in South Bend, and it's been an incredible partnership. I believe we've given over 700 to Lee, meaning the Four Winds Casinos folks and all of the supporting sponsors have been able to donate, I think, in excess of 700000 over the years uh, to the tournament. So a lot of wanting to keep these tournaments going, obviously, selfish for us as a tour we want to get the players playing so that they have they have the ability to make a living but as you say there's a lot uh, that goes into uh in terms of the the what the what we raise in the local community to support local charities but then there's also obviously the economic impact of all the players and staff and sponsors who come into to- the tournament uh, town to be a part of it and stay at the restaurants and hotels so there's definitely a we, we project sort of a million-dollar economic impact when the Symmetra Tour comes to town. So it's a lot more than just what happens on the golf course itself in terms of the sort of the scope of the impact that bringing a professional golf tournament to town uh, can have on the community. Chief Business Officer of the Symmetra Tour, Mike Nichols, our guest on WSBT Radio. Mike, I was reading an article today about you and the Symmetra Tour, and one of the things that you were quoted about was the Symmetra Tour being – a six-year overnight success story. What is the storyline behind that phrase? 
Well, actually, you know, it's funny because uh, my, sort of my career with the Symmetra Tour, I was with the LPGA for six years before joining the Symmetra Tour, and uh, I joined in 2012, which was actually the same year of the first Four Winds Invitational. Mm-hmm. And uh, that year we had about we had 15 tournaments, and we played for just about $1.6 million. And then, you know, fast forward to this year where we were playing for just short of $4 million, and, you know, our average purses back then were about – $115,000, and now we were planning to, obviously, before all this went down, the players were looking to play for an, a- an average of $180,000. So mm. um, it's kind of one of those where when you start, when I took over as the head of the tour, you always want to see um, progress and success a lot faster than you do. But, you know, we went from 15 events that first, my first full year in 2013, um, the next year we had 20 events, and the next year after that we had 23. But wow. um, it, it's sort of small, small progress. But uh, we've co- we've come a long way, and sometimes you have you forget how far we've come from where we were uh, back in sort of that 2012-2013 time frame. But uh, it's been great, and like I said, you know we d- we can't do it without partners like the Four Winds Casinos. When they came on, they said we want to have the biggest and best tournament on on the schedule. They came on board with the biggest purse, which helped us at that point bring some other tournaments along who then wanted to sort of they wanted to have bigger curses and uh, they were really a catalyst for change in helping us elevate the tour they helped us bring on three other Potawatomi casino partners in Battle Creek in Milwaukee and then in the upper peninsula of Michigan so we have four Potawatomi casino partners throughout the Midwest and uh, those events really have been sort of the backbone of the tour in the seven years that I've been involved so uh, we're incredibly grateful to their support. And, Mike, just to follow up those comments, it's pretty remarkable when you consider that our area is now hosting its ninth consecutive Four Winds Invitational. Put that into a little perspective. Yeah, I mean, so the majority of our events are probably, if we had to look at an average, we're probably, most of them are sort of at four or five years. So currently the Four Winds Invitational is probably twice as long as our average Symmetra Tour event right now, and as I said, over that time, they've been able to generate over $700,000 for the Beacon Health System and the Children's Hospital right there. So um, it's just, uh, we're very fortunate. A lot of what was happening in those early days of when I joined the tour was we had an incredible amount of turnover, and, uh, you know, to have these four events as part of the Potawatomi Casino family and obviously the Four Winds Invitational being um, the second of those four to come on, um, it's really sort of changed the the whole way the tour is perceived and really helped us elevate it as we go out into other communities and and talk about the Symmetra Tour. Well, there's very easily we could talk about Brooke Henderson as one of the great success stories. She won the Four Winds Invitational, helping her to get on the LPGA Tour. But, Mike, offer a little perspective on how successful the Symmetra Tour is in preparing these young ladies for the opportunity to play at the highest level on the LPGA Tour. Yeah, I mean, you you referenced it, obviously, Brooke Henderson. I believe that was her first professional win. She won there in South Bend and a couple weeks later went on to win in Portland on the LPGA Tour as a sponsor exemption. But last year's uh, champion, Corinne Delacour from France, ended up being our player of the year, number one on the money list. And I think she sits right now number 11 on the LPGA Tour, current LPGA Tour money list. So she uh, came in third place early in the season. But uh, Sydney Clanton, who I believe was one of your early winners, she won last year on the LPGA Tour. Kendall Dye, a past champion. Jackie Stolting, a past champion. These are all players who, because of the springboard of the Symmetra Tour and being able to play and win there in South Bend, it's really allowed them the opportunity to get the experience 
to ultimately play on the LPGA Tour. And that's what, what's fun about these events for people in the local community is the opportunity, much like you have the South Bend Cubs there, the opportunity to see these players before they sort of become famous and before you see them on TV. You can get up close and personal with them right there at, the, right there at uh, Blackthorn. You know, I think back, Mike, when I was a kid growing up in central Illinois, I was a volunteer a couple of times at the LPGA Rail Rail Charity Classic in Springfield, Illinois. So I got an up-close-and-personal feel for what a professional golf tournament was back then. And you think about the LPGA Tour today, the Symmetra Tour today. How strong are those two tours at this particular time? Well, the, the, obviously with the LPGA, it's, it's the number one golf tour in the world, and it's recognized as such. And so every player in the world who wants to play against the best realizes that they have to come to the LPGA Tour. And one of the uh, sort of the two ways primarily to get there is either through the qualifying school, which is sort of long and tedious and requires you to play well on a specific weekend. Uh, and if you don't play well that weekend, you lose your shot. Whereas uh, over the course of a Symmetra Tour season, which over the last couple of years has been as many as 20 tournaments, you have the opportunity not only to gain the experience, but to prove yourself as one of the top 10 players. So, we currently have members from over 40 countries, and like I said, the players who want to play on the LPGA Tour realize that if they want to, they've got to come through the Symmetra Tour. So in many cases, the caliber of play that's happening at the top of Symmetra Tour is the same thing that you'll see on, uh, on the LPGA Tour in the same weekend. Uh, some of our other recent graduates, um, Nellie Corda, who's won a number of times. She, she graduated recently. Celine Boudier, from, also from France, she, she's won a couple of times in the last couple of years since going up there. And in the Solheim Cup, which is uh, obviously it's sort of the LPGA's equivalent to the Ryder Cup, mm-hmm. of the um, players who competed in that for Europe, and uh, there's 12 players on each team, so 24 total players. Nine of those players were either graduates or alums of the uh, – of the Symmetra Tour in the last playing of the event in Scotland. So the players that are in the Symmetra Tour are elite. They're from all around the world, and it's just sort of a preview of what you're going to see on the LPGA Tour. Mike, a couple of final questions for you. First off, this is a couple of years ago talking to golf coaches. It sounds like college golf, there's always a lot of golf scholarships for females that go unused. But I've also heard the last couple of years more females are getting involved in the game of golf maybe more than they have in a decade or so. Do you have any analytics to show are more young girls getting involved in the game of golf today compared to maybe five, six, seven, ten years ago? Well, actually, um, sort of the one growth initiative, the uh, uh, sort of the golf growth initiative that we have at the LPGA Tour is something we do in conjunction with the United States Golf Association. It's called LPGA USGA Girls Golf. And the idea behind that program is to get uh, golf clubs into the hands of young girls sort of between the ages of 5 and 13 and get them familiar with being out at the golf course around the golf course. And all of the various uh, golf uh, organizations around the world, whether it be the PG Tour, the Masters, the RNA, and uh, the USGA, have all come behind the USGA LPGA Girls Golf Program because they see this as uh, the one incredible growth initiative in terms of getting more uh, young girls into the game. A number of years ago, sort of the, I believe that maybe 20% of the participants in youth golf were um, 
were uh, women or young girls, and now it's, uh, I believe, it's up to a third or so. Um, our, this initiative is working, and I obviously encourage anybody who's trying to get a daughter or a granddaughter or a niece into the program to uh, check out our Girls Golf. I believe it's girlsgolf.org, and there's local chapters all around the country. Finally, Mike, I know just over the eight years of the Four Winds Invitational, we have never been turned down for an interview by one of your players, and it's always great to see them spending time after round or during a practice round talking to the fans there, spending time with little girls who obviously can idolize these young ladies who are playing professional golf. I'm not sure if that's something the Symmetra Tour stresses, but I just have to say, Mike, it's really cool to see all the golfers spending time with the fans and making them feel like they're almost a part of the tournament. And again, I think for young ladies, I think it's a great opportunity for them to meet an athlete up close and personal, and that can really pay dividends down the line for the game of golf. No, no question. I think, you know, our players are, most of our players are just out of college, so very young themselves. So if they see a young girl who's on the ropes, maybe 10 years older, so they're not that far removed from being that young girl at a professional golf tournament. So they remember what it was probably when their mom or dad brought them to a professional golf tournament at some time. So, you know, they look at that young girl and they or the, you know, the fans and the parents and see themselves. And so uh, we pride ourselves on that uh, accessibility. We're glad that the players, it's not anything that we encourage them to do. Uh, they're just a great group of uh, individuals. And I often say, you know, I have a daughter who's, uh, sort of a, a golfer, not aspiring to be a professional golfer, but I always say if she were to present herself the way that these uh, young ladies present themselves in life, uh, I've done a good job as a parent. So they're they're incredibly great uh, role models, and we're just uh, really proud to be associated with them. Well, Mike, thanks for what you do for the game of golf, and we're so thrilled to have the Symmetra Tour come through South Bend each and every summer. And the ninth Four Winds Invitational is now scheduled for July 31st through August 2nd at Blackthorn Golf Club in South Bend. And, Mike, hopefully we get through this pandemic quickly and we can get golfers back on the golf course and fans outside the ropes and enjoy this great game once again. And we greatly appreciate your time. Thank you so much, and hopefully we can talk again soon. Thank you for your time, Darren. And if you don't mind, I just want to say hi to my uh, in-laws who live there in Edwardsburg, Michigan, uh, Clark and Nancy Mead. I sometimes think they don't believe I have a real job, so maybe the fact that I'm appearing on your radio show there locally, they'll actually realize that there is some job. I met their daughter at a golf tournament, but uh, hopefully this gives me a little bit of credibility in my in-laws' household. I think you've clinched it. I think that did it. Perfect. Hey, Mike, great to catch up with you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Darren. Take care. You bet. Mike Nichols, the chief business officer for the Symmetra Tour. And again, the Four Winds Invitational at Blackthorn, July 31st through August the 2nd. We'll talk more about that coming up on the Golf Show, presented by Michelob Ultra. That is Saturday morning at 8 a.m. right here on WSBT Radio. Tim Firestone and John Foster join me for that program. We appreciate Mike Nichols spending some time with us recently as Mike Nichols prepares for the Symmetra Tour golf season, we have the PGA Tour wanting to start in just a couple of weeks. So if all goes as planned, we will have golf back on TV in probably a month. The golf show presented by Michelob Ultra. Stay in, stay active, enjoy. Proudly distributed locally by United Beverage of South Bend. We'll continue in just a moment on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. This is the golf show presented by Michelob Ultra on WSBT Radio, WSBTRadio.com and the WSBT Radio app. 
I'm Darren Pritchett with Tim Firestone, the owner of Blackthorn Golf Club, John Foster, the general manager of Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. We've got all of our majors pushed back later in the year except the Open Championship. It has been canceled altogether for 2020, but you've got the PGA, the U.S. Open, the Masters, the Tour Championship all pushed back into the fall, hoping they can play then. And another event that is supposedly going to happen is the Ryder Cup, the tremendous opportunity to get the best from Europe to take on the best from the United States in a highly anticipated group of matches. The best of the best go head-to-head in this. And there is a chance, guys, that they could hold the Ryder Cup this year and there would not be any fans in attendance. Now, Roy McElroy, part of the European team, is not a fan of not having fans at the Ryder Cup. He was quoted as saying, that's from a European going to America knowing I'm going to get abuse. Obviously, it would be better for Europeans to play without fans because we wouldn't deal with some of the stuff that you have to put up with. But at the same time, it wouldn't be a great spectacle. There would be no atmosphere. So if it came to whether they had to choose between not playing the Ryder Cup or playing it without fans, I would say just delay it a year, end quote. So that's Roy McElroy. Talking about the Ryder Cup, no fans. It would be in America this year. I think at Whistling Straits, if I'm not mistaken. What to get your reaction to this great event not having fans? Would it lose the luster? Do you agree with Rory that postponing it one year would make more sense if you cannot have fans in attendance? I'm 100% in agreement with him. Probably of any of the events that are held, that's the most fan-driven as far as, you know, excitement and people tuning in. You get a lot of non-golf fans watching the Ryder Cup, probably more so than any other golf event. Um, putting it back a year, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, it used to fall in the odd years prior to 9-11. And they, mm-hmm. that year, they postponed it for a year, so they'd basically be getting back on the odd year schedule it used to be. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I mean, that that atmosphere at Ryder Cups is just what it's all about, quite frankly. You know what I mean? I think if you watch those matches, it'd be entertaining. Everybody's looking for anything to watch right now. But at the end of the day, that's what makes the Ryder Cup insane is, is the way the fans react yeah. at that event compared to other tour events. Hey, Darren, it's also a great name-dropping opportunity when we talk about uh, – the Ryder Cup. When I when I attended in Chicago at Medina a few years back, go ahead. And I was in I was in the NBC suite. Uh, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go there. But it was. Uh, oh shoot! I won't have the opportunity to do that this year. It sounds like. Wait a minute. You were going to name drop. You pulled back. So not only are you a name dropper, you're a tease. <laughs> Have you ever been called a tease before? No, I haven't. No, not not at all. In any context, I haven't. (laughs) Okay. Well, maybe you'll have the the one to tell us the rest of that story in coming weeks. I, I hope so. Well, since you have been to a Ryder Cup, Rory was mentioning the abuse that the players get. For example, in America, the European players, obviously... We hear some of the stuff on TV. You hear the roars and some of the cackling, but does the stuff get pretty personal? Have you been in a situation where you've heard guys have to take stuff from fans that is almost uncomfortable? 
Darren, I got I to be honest with you. I couldn't get close enough to if, if somebody was yelling at someone. I couldn't tell. I mean, um, I attended with Brian Godfrey and my Timmy knows Brian. We're all sure. friends. Uh, Brian went with me. We walked the course three or four holes, and the 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 place where we were the hospitality venue we were in sat on the 13th tee, which is a par three. Uh, sat right on top of it there. So we basically, it was probably six to seven people deep trying wow. to see play. I mean, it was almost impossible. And if you think about that type of format, too, it's not like they're playing on every hole all the time. So you get these crowds that move with them. So we basically bailed, went back, and just sat on the tee box. And, of course, on the tee box there wasn't – and this was in the corporate hospitality area. There wasn't a lot of trash talking and stuff. So I didn't really experience it, I think, the way that a lot of people do. Um, it also was a day that Saturday, if you remember, where they just basically kicked our butt. So there wasn't a lot, mm-hmm. lot to cheer about yeah. from the American side on, on that Saturday. All right, to be continued, as of right now, the Ryder Cup is on. We'll take our final break, wrap-ups. Our golf show presented by Michelob Ultra next on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. The golf show wraps up with what's coming up. As we mentioned, Warren is still closed at this time. Tim, what's happening at Blackthorn? We're open for play. Um, driving range is open. Practice facilities are open. Uh, we are doing club repair, regripping, so you can get uh, all your spring needs uh, uh, with your golf equipment from us at this time as well. And the black cards are still on sale at blackthorngolf.com. Very good, guys. Have a great golf weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Thank, Thank you. you. See you there. The Golf Show brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Stay in, stay active, enjoy. Proudly distributed locally by United Beverage of South Bend on WSBT South Bend. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making Making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.